You know, we're doing stories on the same stuff over and over and over again, but new angles. And on the one hand, you go, well, this is futile. But it's because that's what the machine's doing. The machine is putting out more information after more information that we have to counter that. Alex Jones, for all his crazy Alex Jones ness uh, he's right. It's an info war. Ultimately, it's a, it's a war between the principalities and dominions. But in this temporal realm, in this realm of, of human affairs, it's an info war. Can we put out more info? Can we put out more attractive info? Can we put out info that is grabbier? That's more attractive, more catchy. Can we find a way to do that with the truth? That's the hard part. And it's a noble cause. Because um, that's the battle that we're in. In any case, he continues here, Jeffrey Tucker. And he's, he, he's, he's uh, par excellence, the Brownsville Institute. Is that, the, is that the, front, the front line to take a COVID, stupid COVID term? Frontline doctors. Are there doctors? Let's, let's, let's break that down for a sec. Are there doctors who aren't frontline? Like, are there doc- do doctors phone it in? Even the doctors didn't phone it in during the lockdown, did they? Did the doctors phone it in? Like, do they, like, do they, before COVID, were they backline doctors? This is just shows you the, this shows you the power of slogans, of phraseology. The stuff that people will believe just because you make it sound catchy. Frontline nurses, as opposed to what? The nurses that are on the back line? Like, do you go into the hospital? Is it like a hockey game where you have some people on the ice and some people on the bench? Some of the, like, the fourth line, they get a couple penalty kills a game. Put them out there when they need to fight somebody. That's about it. They play like two minutes a game. <laughs> Is that what you have? You got the fourth liner nurses? No, they're all front. Every single nurse and doctor and, you know, frontline workers. Like a grocery store, front line, out in the front line. You mean at the store where I've worked before this started? Anyway, he continues. He says, in task force meetings, Atlas was the only person who showed up with studies and on-the-ground information as opposed to the mere charts of infections easily downloadable from popular websites. Yeah, that probably makes sense. A bigger, this is a quote, a bigger surprise was that Fauci did not present scientific research on the pandemic. He misspelled pandemic again. I got to talk to Jeffrey about this. Uh, Did not present, oh, I guess this was Atlas. Never mind, it's not his fault. Did not present scientific research on the pandemic to the group that I witnessed. Likewise, I never heard him speak about his own critical analysis of any public published research studies. This was stunning to me. Aside from intermittent status updates about clinical trial enrollments, Fauci served the task force by offering an occasional comment or update on vaccine trial participant totals, mostly when the VP would turn to, ask, to him and ask. The blind leading the blind there, folks. When Atlas spoke up, it was almost always to contradict the Fauci Burks narrative, but he received no backing during meetings, only to have many people in attendance later congratulate him for speaking out. Still, he did, by virtue of private meetings, have a convert in Trump himself. But by then, it was too late. Not even Trump could prevail against the wicked machine he had permissioned into operation. And again, I'm going to come back to my limited government, tiny. Uh, tiny government libertarian leanings. Um, and this is the debate that I've been having with my fellow distributists, my fellow Catholics who are distributists. I love G.K. Chesterton, you know that. I sympathize with like 95% of distributism. But I worry when we have a government that's big enough to break up a monopoly, that government itself is already a monopoly. Put it that way. If your government's big enough to break up Facebook, then your government's got to be at least as big as Facebook. 
Okay. And uh, even El Trumpo, even the greatest king possible, I'm not saying he was the greatest king, but even if he had some sort of, you know, great emperor in this day and age, I'm not a relativist. I'm not saying the truth changes. I'm just saying that the application of truth is contextual. We don't evangelize everybody the same way, but the gospel doesn't change, okay? You don't red pill everybody the same way, but it doesn't mean the pills are any less crimson. You don't govern every age and every culture the same way, but it doesn't mean that the moral law changes. You see what I'm saying? And right now in this day and age that we have, these public health officials... Again, let's 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 think let's let's believe Trump is everything Mike Lindell thinks he is. Let's believe that every prophecy Mike Lindell has made that hasn't come true will actually become true. All that being the case, even the Mike Lindell prophesied voice crying out in the wilderness can be swindled by a swindler. And if a swindler is able to swindle the chief, and the chief has a type of power that El Trumpo had, even if he's a good man, you can absolutely destroy civilization okay so you know forgive me if i keep going on about limited government libertarianism and stuff but i'm living in a land where uh you know i'm living in a land where we are probably going to have mask mandates at least until april we make the craziest parts of europe look sane we make the craziest state in America look like Florida. Okay. And this is because of the influence that politicians can have and the big machine. And if the machine is big enough to break up the monopolies, as a lot of the distributors and whatnot, whatnot want it, then that machine's too big. Anyway, um, he continues, he says, it's a Mr. Smith goes to Washington story, but applied to matters of public health. From the outset of this disease pandemic. Sorry, disease panic. Sorry, I jumped the gun there with pandemic. Uh, policy came to be dictated by two government bureaucrats, Fauci and Burks, who, for some reason, were confident in their control over media, bureaucracies, and White House messaging, despite every attempt by the president, Atlas, and a few others to get them to pay attention to the actual science about which Burke and Fauci knew or cared little. Uh, doesn't doesn't surprise me. Um, you know... Here in Ontario, it's not, it's not as much, it's a different mentality. The public health official here, they're actually kind of a stooge. It's a weird reversal. The premier, and this was relayed by Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, he's a big deal, obviously, internationally. But here in Ontario, I mean, he's been a professor at a major university and he's, you know, politically affiliated and all that kind of stuff. He's got the inside scoop of what's going on in the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. And he was talking on a podcast, I think it was with Dave Rubin, that he said, I spoke with a man who's you know a high-ranking official in the government, and he said it's 100% poll-driven. That's exactly how they're governing right now. They do polls. Legacy media, 60% of respondents still on lockdown. We do lockdown. No science. There's no science anywhere. Different, different reality here, but still no science. He continues, when Atlas would raise doubts about... Burks, Jared Kushner, would repeatedly assure him that she's 100% mega. <laughs> How would you believe that? Um, yet we know for certain that this is not true, 
We know from a different book on the subject that she only took the position with the anticipation that Trump would lose the presidency in November election. It's hardly a surprise. It's the bias expected from a career bureaucrat working for a deep state institution. Fortunately, we now have this book to set the record straight. It gives every reader an inside look at the workings of a system that wrecked our lives. If the book finally declines to offer an explanation for the hell that was visited upon us, every day we still ask for the question why, it does provide an account of who, of the who, when, where, and what. Yeah. Tragically, too many scientists, media figures, and intellectuals in government in general went along. Atlas' account shows exactly what they signed up to defend, and it's not pretty. The cliche that kept coming to mind as I read is breath of fresh air. That metaphor describes the book perfectly. Blessed relief from relentless propaganda. Imagine yourself trapped in an elevator with stultifying air in a building that is on fire and the smoke gradually seeps in from above. Someone is in there with you and he keeps assuring you that everything is fine. (laughs) When it obviously is not. That's a good analogy. That's a pretty good description of how I felt from March 12, 2020 onward. That was the day that President Trump spoke to the nation and announced that there would be no more travel from Europe. The tone in his voice was spooky. It was obvious that more was coming. He had clearly fallen sway to the extremely bad advice. Perhaps he was willing to push lockdowns as a plan to deal with a respiratory virus that was already spreading in the U.S. from perhaps five to six months earlier. It was the day that darkness descended. A day later, March 13th, the HHS distributed its lockdown plans for the nation. That weekend, Trump met for many hours with Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, and son-in-law Jared Kushner, and only a few others. He came around to the idea of shutting down the American economy for two weeks. He presided over the calamitous March 16th, 2020 press conference at which Trump promised to beat the virus through general lockdowns. Of course, he had no power to do that directly, but he could urge it to happen, all under the completely delusional promise that Doing so would solve the virus problem. Two weeks later, the same gang persuaded him to extend the lockdowns. And you know the story. Trump went along with the advice because it was the only advice he was fed at the time. They made it appear that the only choice that Trump had if he wanted to beat the virus was to wage war on his own policies that were pushing for a stronger, healthier economy. After surviving two impeachment attempts and beating back years of hate from a nearly united media-afflicted by a severe derangement syndrome, Trump was finally hornswoggled. Atlas writes, On this highly important criterion of presidential management, taking responsibility to fully take charge of policy coming from the White House, I believe the president made a massive error in judgment. Against his own gut feeling, he delegated authority to medical bureaucrats, and then he failed to correct the mistake. The truly tragic fact that both Republicans and Democrats do not want spoken do not want spoken about is that this whole calamity is that did indeed is that it did indeed begin with Trump's decision. On that point, Atlas writes. Yes, the president initially had gone along with the lockdowns proposed by Fauci and Burks, the 15 days slow the spread. Even then, even though he had serious misgivings, but I still believe the reason that he kept repeating his one question. Do you agree with this initial shutdown? Whenever he asked questions about the pandemic was precisely because he still had misgivings about it. That's true. You know, one thing about Trump is that um, when he would get all Trumpy and he would allow his personality to come through, he would just keep saying, well, you know, like, don't worry. Or, well, you know, uh, we'll be open by Easter. Well, you know, like he always had these reasons why he would say something commonsensical or something hopeful. 
And uh, but then it could be shut down. You know, well, you can't, Mr. President, we can't be open by Easter. This is this is the coronavirus. Come on. Large parts of the narrative are devoted to explaining precisely how and to what extent Trump had been betrayed. They had convinced him to do exactly the opposite of what he would naturally do in any other circumstance, Atlas writes. That's actually interesting because I was under the impression from some Trump insiders that El Trumpo was basically a germaphobe. And he may be a germaphobe, personally. But um, I was under the impression that that was the main reason he went along with That's what people said anyway. In any case, that his germophobia... Uh, made him amenable to the idea of lockdown. But it sounds like it's not what he wanted, to be honest. Um, is another quote here. He says, To disregard his own common sense and allow grossly incorrect policy advice to prevail, this president, widely known for his signature, you're fired declaration, was misled by his closest political intimates. All for fear of what was inevitable anyway, skewering from an already hostile media. And on top of that tragic misjudgment, the election was lost anyway. So much for political strategists. This is something that I believe Ron DeSantis got right. This is the key line here when he says, all for fear of what was inevitable anyway, skewering from an already hostile media. Trump was always, always skewed by the media. No matter what he did, this was a fatal flaw. No matter what he did about the Rona, he was going to be skewered. Even if lockdowns worked in some alternate universe where the coronavirus was actually as serious as they say and where lockdowns actually worked, even if that were the case, they would have said the whole time that he didn't lock down fast enough or didn't lock down hard enough. If he had have said, don't lock down at all, and let's say, you know, let's, just, let's just say Trump gave the advice, don't lock down at all, there's no point. Let's say he talked to Scott Atlas in February. And, and, I'm sure some states still would have done it to some degree because it was kind of the global narrative, I guess. Revisionist history is a fun game. Who knows? But let's just say um, 25 out of the 50 states did not lock down. Let's just say they all went South Dakota. Then he still would have been skewered. I mean, those states would have been awesome. They would have been great and fine, just like everywhere else on earth that stayed open. Things would have been great. But they would have found a way to skewer him. Let's just say he, he got a vaccine that actually worked somehow. You know, <laughs> let's just say it was some sort of magical scientific uh, thing that actually stopped people from getting sick from respiratory illnesses. They still would have skewered him because they would have found some, you know, former lover or something of his that would have said, well, you know, I was talking to Trump, uh, you know, we were texting, you know, he was having an affair with me and... Um, you know, he he delayed the, his vaccine by two weeks. We probably lost 50,000 people because of Trump's delayed vaccine. And the headline would have been, Trump kills 50,000 people because of a prostitute that stopped his vaccine from being put out quick enough. He would have been skewered no matter what. And this is, Atlas is exactly correct when he says so much for political strategists. That That's the gamble that Ron DeSantis took. And it was the right gamble. 